everyone. Welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, November 24th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going, Jeff? They're going good, Rod. Well, as good as they can be in these times, right? Yeah. Thanksgiving week. Uh, I know uh, in your household, things are kind of awry a little bit there and um, things kind of up in the air here for me too. So um, we're going to make the best of it, right? Yep. Today's day one of quarantine. So we're going to just see how it shakes out. Yeah. I want to, uh, I want to get this uh, out there early. Um, You've got a, you've got a birthday coming up. Um, This, uh, what is it? Saturday? Saturday. Uh, So. Like yeah, it's you it's know Saturday, it's just, so just another work day for me. Just another work day, but want everybody to know uh, <laughs> and to get a little bit of notice that uh, yeah, it's your birthday. So uh, now a whole so. bunch of people are going to tell me, you know, a very insincere happy birthday. Yeah, some <laughs> of them are going to mean it though, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we we have a guest with us tonight. That his name is uh, is Clarence Smith. Clarence, how are things going for you? Things are going good, considering the circumstances. Yeah. Now you're joining us. That. Yeah. You you uh you live in Cleveland too? Yes. Okay. Uh, you're a Browns fan, and uh, we're looking forward to talking some Browns with you. Before we do that, uh, we talk uh, talk about Blitz beverages on this show. I'm going to go solo real quick here. Guys, uh, I am I am uh, drinking a beer from Yellow Springs Brewery, uh, which is local for me. And I, this is the first beer I've had from them. And you know, unless I've had something on tap somewhere that I just don't remember, but it's a Zo- Zoetic American Pale Ale, and it's a good beer. I you know I just opened it up a little bit ago, but I had a taste of it, and um, you know. Some a lot of pale ales to me are kind of just boring, but this pale ale I think maybe it has some uh, just just enough of a um, citrusy flavor to it, and it's not a lot of citrus you know flavor, but just enough to kind of make it interesting, and you can kind of taste it from the very beginning. So it, it's you know it's it's probably a pretty light beer. I mean it's like five point two percent. It's probably maybe a little bit more of a summery beer, but. I'm enjoying it, so just a little shout out to Yellow Springs Brewery. Um, nice to finally try one of their beers. So um, that's going to do it for the Blitz beverages. <laughs> so we're going awesome. to get on. Yeah, wasn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I just saw Zoetic sounded like a pretty cool name too. I had to try it. So uh, yeah. we're going to get on to uh, to a part of the show that uh that we enjoy and that that is letting our guest talk about their browns journey uh you know just uh, a little bit about their fandom and you know what makes it maybe unique for them or or what they've been through as a browns fan so so clarence we're going to turn it over to you and kind of just let you talk about um what life's been like for you as a browns fan you know when things started um special memories or or anything you like to talk about okay so I am 18, so my Browns fandom has been in pretty much my whole life, really. But 
I recently started taking it serious. I want to say maybe around 2015. And um, my most memorable moment was probably... I would probably say in 2012 when I went to my first Brown games, Browns game. It's not much I can really remember because it was so long ago. But I still have a few pictures that I took. But um, And I believe we actually won that game as well. I'm not sure who we played, but I remember me and my father coming home pretty happy because we got a win that day. And... um. I pretty much became a Browns fan just by sitting in front of the a TV every Sunday and watching the Browns play. It wasn't something that was forced onto me. It was just something that kind of happened naturally, I would say, as well as um, I, uh, at one point in time, I did want to play football just because I really liked the way helmets and pads looked on players so that was my reasoning but um honestly for me it's been a crazy experience because I haven't had much success I mean I haven't been around to see much success as a Browns fan but it's been an interesting rap full of ups and downs mostly downs though hopefully we change that very very soon Yeah, I think you speak for a lot of a lot of the younger Browns fans who that's pretty much all you've seen. So, um, so I assume your your dad's a Browns fan. You have other Browns fans in the family. Uh, yeah, I um, my aunt, her boyfriend is a huge Browns fan. Uh, honestly, though, my family's more of like a a basketball family, but it's a few of us who are Browns fans and. Diehard Browns fan at that, so yeah, it's um, it's pretty, it's a huge sports family though, really. But yeah. me, I'm one of the few who just really love the Cleveland Browns. Well, we're we're hoping that uh, this that this is getting to be the time where we're starting to see the payoff. I mean, r- really, this season has been enjoyable already, so. You know, I, I guess it depends what you think a payoff is as a Browns fan. If you think it's playoffs, if you think it's a championship, you know. But just seeing a competitive team for a lot of us, is, for for me, it's a payoff. Just knowing that your team's going out there and has a chance every week to, you know, to play and hopefully get a win. Yeah. Yeah. So so thanks for sharing that, and let's uh, let's talk about the Eagles game. The review, uh, just a little bit of review on that um, gets the Browns to seven and three, and well, Jeff, I guess uh, you weren't on last week, so I have scored a flashback to is what you predicted. Um, we know you would have oh, taken boy, the under. We, we know you yeah. would have taken the under. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty interesting game. I mean, the Eagles. You know, I think the Eagles came out with a great game plan. They, you know, they they came out and stacked the box and really were slowing the Browns down and and gave the Browns some problems on offense initially. Uh, they they ran the ball very effectively behind Miles Sanders, um, and then things just kind of started to change with some turnovers. So, 
So, so Jeff, give me give me some of your some of your early takeaways from this uh, from from the Browns game against the Eagles. Well, I, I think the defense did a great job of adjusting to not having Miles Garrett um, and Joe Woods put together again a, a great um, approach to containing the quarterback. Um, you know, obviously. Deshaun Watson and, and Carson Wentz are, are different players, but, um, you know, I think they, they, on defense, they've figured out how to take away the quarterback's strengths with the limited players that we have. So, um, you know, Vernon get three sacks, I think it was three sacks, right? Um, yeah. And just, you know, the whole defensive line doing a great job of collapsing the pocket in on Wentz, um, you know, that really took the pressure off of our our back seven um i thought it was a great game plan on defense um offensively it was you know we were just kind of a mess again um and it's sort of disturbing you know that this has been going on for so long now um and i hope it's just because of bad weather but um boy it sure seems like the the offense has just been really erratic for the last several games um Fortunately, things came around in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, the, the the running attack wears the other team down, and you can just see that in each game. You know, they just yeah. wear the other defense down. It's just too bad that it takes you know three quarters for that to happen. You know, yeah. I mean, that we can't we can't figure out a way to run the ball earlier in the game. Um, that you know that just puts too much pressure on on Baker to be perfect. You know, so. Um, Baker's played well. He's he's been um, you know managing the game. He's been relatively mistake free. Um, so all in all, I think you know it's a it's a well played game. It's it's you know there's there's not a lot of mistakes, um, not errors of commission, um, you know not a lot of mental errors um, like we were seeing last year. So I mean all that points towards toward a team that you know just really. Um, is performing well as a unit on both sides, but you know, there's still a long way to go in terms of cohesiveness and, and really opening up the playbook, I think. So I was glad to see the win. Um, you know, wins are important no matter how we get them. Um, we've, we've still, I, I don't think we've seen anything close to what this, what this team is capable of on either side of the ball. Uh, yeah, I would have to agree with you there. So, so, Clarence, what would you like to add to that as far as what you thought were some keys uh, or if you'd like to just kind of add on to some things Jeff, maybe Jeff said, some keys to that win or things that you saw in that game? Um, I I think we can see Baker growing more and more into the quarterback we need him to be with each game, honestly. He's cutting down on turnovers. But, um, yeah, like uh, – it shouldn't, to me, with the running game we have, it shouldn't take three quarters for a defense to get tired. We should just punch him in the mouth in the first quarter, the first half, really. And then after that, maybe open the playbook up with a little play action. And because of the weather, I think we haven't really played up to expectations for the fans and the players. I know they their expectations are a little bit different than ours, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that 
there's a lot of things that they would like to happen and they would like to play better as well. So, and I know Baker as a competitor, he probably he is he's probably fine with not throwing a touchdown, but I'm pretty sure some of the overthrown balls he would like to have back because Sunday at least 12 points were went off came off the board because of those overthrown balls. And honestly, I would think this probably wasn't Kevin Stefanski's best game as well as play calling goes, but honestly, it's better than what we've been accustomed to. So that's always good. Well, yeah, yeah, we've we've seen some bad play calling over the years. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, with, without naming any names. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, for me, there were there were a lot of plays that were just you know huge in this in this game. You know, some whether they were penalty calls or turnovers that you know caused some pretty big swings. So, um, you know, the, Daryl the, Hodge had a couple of really big catches. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the game really came down to, I think the the turnovers, you know, and the Browns' ability to, to like you said, Jeff, eventually just kind of pound Philadelphia into submission with the running right. game, uh, you know, and eventually, you know, just kind of have have some success there. But uh, but the Browns' ability to to, uh, you know, not turn the ball over that's you know not turning the ball over is something they've been been pretty darn good at this season or plus six and turnovers and um you know that's that's a hallmark of a, of a good team right there uh, doesn't always work out that way you know but um mm-hmm. but man it sure is going to help you help you win some games when you do that so um i don't know if these guys care about the stats i'm sure a lot of guys on the team Love to see Nick Chubb hit 100 yards. I don't think Nick really cares. Um, you know, I think Nick and Kareem want want the win just like Baker does. Right. But it's certainly good, like you said, to see Vernon get three sacks in the safety and Adrian Claiborne kicking in two sacks. I mean, you think about it, you know, think about why Adrian Claiborne was signed, and it's it was for this game, you know, <laughs> go in there and play a game when Miles couldn't play you know, and to back him up occasionally for him to get into a game like that and get two sacks. That's, it's pretty big. Well, in the limited times that we've seen him on the field so far this year, um, he's looked really slow and I don't know if, you know, he's had injuries or, you know, maybe not top shape or whatever, but, um, I thought, you know, this week against Philly, he, he looked like he came to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had that extra step, you know, that, that I haven't seen so far. So, you know, maybe it's just getting the opportunity. Um, man, I, I hope that continues because we're going to be really, really thin on defense um, in the next game against Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll, and we'll get to that. But um, we're at, you know, let, let me go. Let me go to you, Clarence, on this. Were you were you surprised by the distribution of Baker's passes? I'm just I'm just looking, and you know, in nine targets between Hodge and Higgins, which maybe that's not a surprise, but you know, Austin Hooper got five, but then you you look at uh, Jarvis Landry only two targets and Kareem Hunt only one target. 
That kind of surprises um, me. What do you think? Well, honestly, I I think it's, it's one of those things he's becoming better at, just taking what the defense is giving him. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, though, I would like to see Jarvis and Hoop get more targets because they can be game changers for us. That's what they're here for. But, um, yeah, honestly, it's all about him going through his progressions and taking what the defense gives him. So, honestly, I'm not surprised by it. And as ever since Baker came in the league, Hollywood has been his favorite target. And Hodge, he, to me, he can be – obviously, he won't be OBJ kind of talent-wise, but he can be that speedster and that – I forgot what's what was his for. You know he was pretty fast as well, so yeah, he can kind of be that speedster for us whenever we need it. Oh. And yeah, Jarvis, I honestly think it's all about. He's more of our possession guy to me, honestly. So like he might only see four to six targets a game, but as long as we win it, I don't think he'll have a problem with that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know Hodges is kind of a he's uh he's a more of a big body guy too. At least as big a body guy as as the Browns carry right now. Um, I, I think yeah. uh, Peoples Jones is probably bigger, but he's not he's not going to get the he's not going to get the reps on offense uh, that these other guys are just yet. So, um, and any thoughts on that, Jeff, as far as distribution of the of the targets and, and what what were your thoughts on Hodge? Well, we've talked about this a lot, I think, this season, that this offense is designed around the running game and, and the, you know, the, the shorter routes. So um, we're just not going to feature certain receivers. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at the stats, and Jarvis has had 57 targets this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got 471 yards. Um He's averaging 47.1 yards a game. All those lead the team. Um, yeah. He's got no touchdowns. Um, but as far as, you know, who is our leading receiver, it's Jarvis, and it's it's by a lot. Um, but, you know, all right. we all sort of feel at this point like, you know, where's Jarvis? Well, it's just not how the – offense is designed, you know, to, to give the wideouts a lot of yardage. Um, I'm, I'm actually the, the guy that really surprises me is, is Hooper, um, that, you know, I mean, he, he's had 40 targets, um, but he just hasn't really been in the game plan that much. And I really thought that we'd see a lot more of him in terms of, you know, um, <clears throat> play to play, you know, in a given game. Um, some of that's been split with, with Bryant, but, um, man, I, I just, yeah, I really expected that, that we would feature Hooper a lot more. Well, I mean, Hooper had as many catches as, as anybody Sunday, you know, with three catches, but, uh, right. but yeah, I mean, and, you know, and he's really the only tight end they, they threw to, you know, and Joku had one, one target and, uh, that was, um, yeah. A catastrophe. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one didn't work out. But, um, 
Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of sad. I think they've they've kind of shied away from Harrison Bryant a little bit since he had that that fumble. Um, you know, yeah. I kind of hate yeah. to see that because he's really been sure-handed um, throughout yeah, the season. He might have got himself in the doghouse a little bit with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one fumble. The kid's a rookie. Um, I think they, you know, I mean, uh, hopefully he gets a shot to get back out there because I think you know. Um, it really wasn't a, a play where he coughed the ball up. It was more a, more of a strip that he should learn right. from, you right. know. So um, I, I think they, hopefully they'll get him back out there because he's you know he's he's really sure-handed, um, you know, at catching the ball. But uh, you know I, I think they've got they've got a nice nice group of receivers. Um, you know I, I'm sure Jarvis. Uh, you know I don't know how his health is if he's still banged up or if that or if he got you know well mm-hmm. at the bye or whatnot, but, um, you know, they yeah. might be, it might be slowing him up a little bit, but, um, it, for me, I would think they would want to, to get the ball to Kareem Hunt more out of the backfield uh, right. passes. That's kind of what I was looking at. Um, you know, I think the, the rest of the distribution is kind of fine when you're looking at, at a game where you've got, <laughs> where you got 12 completions, you know, there's not a lot of balls to go around anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're just, we're just not going to have a lot of offensive possessions. You know, um, when you're running the ball effectively and you're chewing up clock that way, um, you know, you, you just don't get as many scoring opportunities, you know, uh, versus teams that are throwing the ball down the field a lot and scoring, you know, in two, three minutes where we're running off, you know, five, six, seven minute drives, you know, which you can, just can't have it both ways. You know, um, you want a ball control offense that, that eats up the clock and keeps your defense off the field. You do that with your, your two great running backs. Um, you know, the, the guys that are going to suffer are the, are the receivers. Yeah, that's true. Stat wise, stat wise, as long as, I mean, they're, they're happy they're winning, you know, but they're just not going to get the stats. Yeah. And when you have a team that that's winning and, and playing well, you hope that the guys are, are going to be good with that. And it, it, it appears that they are. And even if they aren't, it's okay because that means that Stefanski and company are handling things internally, which is, which is good as well. So, yeah. guys, I'm going to I'm going to cheat here a little bit and jump ahead because we had a question, and I want to get to this uh, to this discussion uh, before we move on to talking about the, the Jags game. And this is from at Miles Off the Edge, which is a, a great Twitter handle. Uh, uh, question, how are we feeling about being without Ward this week against the Jags and then likely without him for Tennessee and Baltimore the following weeks? Um, let me start this by saying not so good. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been excellent. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the defense really stepped up without Miles, so you hope that you hope they can do the same with, without Denzel Ward. So, um, you know, what can you say? I, I'm going to I'm going to turn this over to, to Clarence and let you let you give your thoughts, Clarence, on, on being without uh, without Denzel Ward for for maybe up to three weeks. Um, I honestly. I'm not. I think, honestly, we'll just have to. Play. Defense by committee anyway because of Miles Garrett's not out, but because we won't have Denzel Ward for a few weeks, we have to 
be more better in the secondary, especially at the top with the safety. So, so that way our cornerbacks don't have to do every single thing by themselves. I know some of them are better in men than zone, but honestly, I think it's all about matchups. So whoever can, whoever, let's say, I, I honestly don't like saying this, but I would move Ronnie Harrison if he's not banged up to um, Ward's role only for the time being because I think he still has enough to get it done. I know Terrence Mitchell's, he's been playing good, but uh-huh. I honestly think we're just too thin at that position anyway because Greedy's out and now Ward, but I'm not... I'm not too confident in them doing everything they possibly can and stopping 50-yard plays, 20-yard plays, stuff like that, because that's something we struggle with anyway. I just think now with Ward being out, it's going to be a little bit tougher for the back end of our defense. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. Um you know, I mean, if you're talking about uh, Terrence Mitchell, uh, Kevin Johnson, um, like you said, maybe maybe Ronnie Harrison playing some corner. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure who else they're even going to. You know, after that, honestly. Um, Jeff, Jeff, what do you think's gonna? What do you think we're looking at? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough without Denzel for the next three weeks. Um, because what he does is takes the opponent's number one guy out of the game. For the, I mean, for, the, for as much as you can in the NFL. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, now we're going to start seeing guys have big games, I think, um, at the wide receiver position. So, yeah, it, it concerns me. Not so much from the standpoint that our defense can't cover for that, but just that we've been struggling to score points on offense. And, you know, we get back to this early season scenario where, you know, we were giving up 31 and a half points a game through the first seven or six, seven games. Um, You know, if our offense can't keep pace with that, um, you know, things could get ugly pretty quick. Um, we got to get, keep getting pressure on the quarterback like we did, um, this past week. If we can make the quarterback commit quicker, it's going to alleviate a lot of that pressure on, on, you know, the secondary. Um, but yeah, without Denzel out there taking, you know, DJ shark, I think is his name, taking him out of the game, um, it could be a long day in Jacksonville from a, you know, yardage standpoint from their wide receiver group. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's only going to get worse after Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee, yeah. has, you know, got uh, um, a very talented, talented guy in uh, AJ Brown, um, which he, you know, Denzel would be going up against, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then, uh, 
the Ravens, I mean, the Ravens, I don't, you know, you're not so much worried about their number one guy, but just having Denzel out there to, um, you know, to play against that offense, very important. So, well, and um, you saw De- how Denzel impact the game in so many other ways as well. You know, I mean, I think he was really responsible yeah. for the Taki Taki interception, the pick six. You know, that was Denzel getting in there, tipping the ball out of Wentz's hand, and and you know, Denzel making the interception at the end of the game. You know, to to seal it for us. I mean, it, it's he impacts the game in just in so many different ways when he's healthy, um, and when he's not out there, there's a huge drop off. Yeah, yeah. So. It's going to be a challenge, but, um, you know, this defense has been, this defense has been really good the last, uh, you know, the last two weeks. And mm-hmm. um, how much of that is is based on the weather maybe slowing down the other team a little bit? How much is based on guys just really, really stepping up? How much is based on, you know, uh scheming by by uh, by the coordinators uh, by the coordinator uh you know i guess we'll find out um because you know jacksonville uh let's just move into jacksonville or jacksonville's one and nine but i tell you guys you look at jacksonville's schedule and the games they've been in almost every game they it have played a lot of five. good teams tough they they could be yeah they could be five and five they've played a lot of good teams tough um, they you know it's a long time ago but they beat the Colts week one that's that's their win so um, you know you can't look at this team as, as a one and nine team you got to look at this team as as a dangerous team that that's that's not going to roll over for you because they're gonna they're gonna play four quarters and and it could be a tough game you know I, I don't look at this game any differently. Then I look at the last two games against the Eagles and and the Texans. The Browns Blitz is brought to you by Skippin' Stones. Visit Skippin' Stones on Etsy.com. Go to the shop at S-K-I-P-P-I-N-S-T-O-N-E-Z. Check out all of the great gift ideas for Christmas and beyond. Handmade jewelry, mask lanyards, pebble art, framed poetry, all available from the comfort of your home, free shipping on qualifying orders. Now let's get back to the podcast. So let me go back to Clarence because we're, we're kind of talking over him here. <laughs> yeah, Clarence, what do you, what are your thoughts on on the on the Jaguars and what the Browns are going to be looking at there? Um, is to me is this game is going to be one of those games where we can possibly look at it how we looked at the Browns the past two years. Every game they're going into will become a trap game for some teams. And this this game could be one of those games for the Browns where if we don't play up to our expectations, then we'll lose this game because even though their record don't show it, they're still a good football team. I mm-hmm. think, and I'm not sure what if Gardner Minshew is injured or whatever the case may be with him, but... Their um, DJ Chark, he's a quality receiver, so we have to stop him, and we have to stop, honestly, whatever we do, we just have to stop tight ends from scoring, because that's been our biggest weakness this season, so hopefully we don't get into any situations where it'll be 
the tight end have to be the one who scored because then I really think that'll just be bad for us. And honestly, our defense as a whole has to step up even more because our defense is good when they got their head in the game. I think that's been our biggest thing is some of the guys on the team, they can get too low sometimes instead of staying kind of even cute. But um, our offense really has to control the game for us because if not, then we can potentially be losing this game at the end of the day. And I'm pretty sure that's not what anybody wants. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to need a similar effort from the defense as what we saw last week. Uh, the Jags have given up 30 sacks so far this season, and they only have nine sacks on the season. So, you know, the Browns are going to have to protect Baker, and hopefully this means they can um, they can run the ball. Jags are give, have uh, given up uh, the averaging here. I'm trying to find it real quick. Four, you know, 4.3 a rush. Um, you know, they're... So teams are teams are running on them, but uh, they've given up quite a few sacks, and they really haven't put a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterback. So hopefully that's a good sign for Baker and the Browns. Hopefully they can uh, be successful throwing the ball um, down there, you know, uh, and and we'll you know see what happens. Um, well, as you would expect, the Jags trail and. And turnover ratio, they're they're minus six, and in time of possession, kind of what you'd expect out of a one to nine team. You know, it's just those little things that kind of it's the difference between being one and nine and five and five, like you're saying, Jeff. You know, they've been in yeah. games, but but it's you know it's it's turnovers, it's it's um, you know probably uh, look at just uh, fourth down conversions. You know, their opponents are seven to ten, and they're they're four to seventeen. You know, I mean. Mm-hmm. It, this is this is why you lose games. So, um, so you know, the Browns just have to be able to continue the trend of what what has happened with the Jags. Um, but I'm sure they're going to play with the Browns, you know, at least for a while. I mean, Robinson's tough, um, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, You guys have anything else on the Jags? I mean, uh, Jeff, any any final thoughts on this game coming up? I think Clarence is right. You know, our offense is going to need to dictate time of possession in this game, um, or you know, things might not go well for us. Um, I think you mentioned you know the advantage that that we will have in facing a, a pretty porous. Jacksonville defensive line, um, not putting a lot of pressure on Baker. Um, so I really hope we see a coming out party for our offense and we get back to, you know, the, the type of production that we were seeing earlier in the year, because we're not going to win this game by scoring 15 or 20 points somewhere in that range. We're going to have to yeah. put 30 points up to win this game. I think, and you know, the weather conditions should be in our favor. Um, you know, we're, we're struggling, you know, with our health in a lot of areas. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think we need guys like Jarvis to step up and, and um, you know, the running game to get going early. Um, and, you know, if we can do that, this should be an easy win. But 
as we know, there just aren't any easy wins in the NFL. That's right. <laughs> that part is true. Uh, Clarence, any final thoughts on the Jaguars game? Um, no, not really. Pretty sure Jeff covered everything. So, yeah, honestly, I just agree with everything he said. That's okay. That awesome. is fair. I love you. Fair I you should be my wife, Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh, let's throw out some predictions for scores then for the Jags game, and then we're going to move on to the mailbag and uh, answer the remaining questions that we got. So, uh, Clarence, you're the guest. We're going to let you lead off. What's your What's your prediction for this game? Uh, final score, and if you want to. If you want to predict a stat or something about a player, you can do that too, but no no, uh, no requirement there. Okay. My final score will probably be 14-28. Browns win. Baker has a 200-yard day. Possibly two touchdowns. Hopefully two touchdowns. And then our running backs go over 100 yards each. Nice. I think everybody would like to see that. All right. Um, all right, Jeff, you're up. Well, Man, I did. I did not look this up to see what the over/under was or the, or the line. I, I'm assuming the Browns are. I'm assuming the Browns are favored in this game, but I I I did not look up the line. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can find it real quick. Um, I'm going to say the over/under is probably about 48, and the uh, Browns are favored by about seven. Yeah, Browns are minus six and a half is what I'm seeing here. Okay, uh, I don't see. Thought. I don't see the. I don't see the over/under. Um, well, my heart tells me again that this this game is when our offense comes back together. And, you know, we're able to score some touchdowns and, you know, we probably score th- in the low 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my head and my eyes just haven't seen that lately. So that's a little concerning. Um, but, you know, assuming that, that we can impose our offensive will on the Jaguars um, and accounting for the fact that our, our defense has a lot of holes, um, yeah. I think it's probably going to be like 31-23. That would be a win, and we would we would take that. Yeah, absolutely. It might, it might not be pretty. Again, I, none of them have really been pretty. That's 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 fifty four points, Jeff. I'm going to bet that that is the over. That probably is the over. <laughs> Yeah, and which means it, which means it'll never happen. <laughs> it could be, could be. But I, I don't think you're far off. I, I think the Browns are. I think the Browns are going to get things back on track. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, but I, I think, uh, I think the Jags are going to play them tough because of defense. I think, I think this is going to be a, t- a tight game. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to say, Browns won 30-27. Make it tight. It's gonna be tough. Hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, just, I mean, if you look at the score of Jags games, there's a lot of them have, have been one score games. Um, yeah, I think I think it's going to have people on the edge of their seat pretty much all day, <laughs> all all through the game. Anyway, so let's put it that way. <laughs> so I just found the over under. It's forty nine. Forty nine. Okay, I was off by a point. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Jeff's taking the over. I'm taking the over. And third quarter, Clarence is taking the under on the points. Okay, guys, let's uh, let's move on to some mailbag. We answered one question. Um, we're going to go to uh, Vince Vince Galati, who's been on the podcast. So, hey, Vince, here's his question: How many wins do we need to make the playoffs? And how much relies on Baker or the running back tandem to get us there? So, Clarence, I'm going to let you hit that one first. How many wins and what, uh, how much are we relying on either Baker and or the, the running backs? Um, I believe the amount of wins we need is 11. Hopefully no more than 11. But... I think we'll have to honestly rely more on our run game because that's that's the kind of team we have. We have a run first team. So if I would put a percentage on it, I would probably have to say 75% of our run game, 25% on Baker. Honestly, just because that's the kind of team we have and our team plays better that way. Not a knock to Baker, it's just, we have two of the best backs in the league. It was one of the best lines in the league. So that's the way we were built. And that's how I believe we should win every game. Even though I know some games might not need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jeff, what do you think about the, the 11 wins? You think, do you agree or do you think a different amount uh, is needed to get us on? Well, Vince, I'm, I, I'm tempted to go off on a Jim Mora rant here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we real, do we really want to talk about the playoffs already? Um, I'll humor you with the question by saying that um, – if, if we win 10 games, and I've said this before on the podcast, if we win 10 games, I think we're on the fringe of making the playoffs um, based on, you know, the, the real disparity in the league this year uh, between good teams and bad. Um, I think 10, 10 wins probably puts us right on the fringe. So if you want to guarantee playoffs, I think you probably have to win 11 games. I, I would agree. Um because we're, we're doing it as a wild card. I don't think we're catching the Steelers. Um, no. So um, what's, what's that going to be based on? Um, you know, what do we have to do offensively, defensively, whatever? Um, I think it, we're going to go as far as Baker Mayfield can take us. And that really boils down to can he elevate his game? Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot all year about where he is, what we need to see from him and so forth. Um, I think if he can elevate his game and, and complete some of those passes 
like Clarence was talking about earlier that that haven't been turning into to, to scoring plays lately. Um, get back on track with the offense. Um, the rest of the, the, the tools are there. Um, you know, we, we know what we've got every place else. So I think if, if Baker can elevate his game and, you know, execute an offense that, that can put points on the board consistently, now that carries you into the playoffs and, and we're in really good shape. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that that happens this week, but based on the predictions for the weather conditions, the excuses won't be there. So I really hope we see that happen against Jacksonville. And it's something we can build on going into um, the last five games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think that uh, I, th- I think ten or I think eleven gets you in. I think there's a chance that ten it pretty much gets you in too because there's um, there's still a possibility, guys. We got six weeks left in the season, and we've had some games postponed already. Uh, if there's if there's other issues with COVID and more games postponed, there's a chance that they that they cut this cut the season a week short and actually expand the playoffs, in which case if the Browns win an extra game, they're going to be in, uh, you know, or if they, if they win 10 games, um, I, you know, one less than, than, than what you're saying, I think that would put them in with an expanded playoff where they, where they maybe let one more team in. So, um, so we'll see what happens. I, I agree with the percentages. I think it's, you know, I think it's, uh, I would go 75% run, but but I agree. Sooner or later, uh, in some of these games, it does come down to Baker, and you he, he's going to have to show up and he's going to have to play big. Um, he's done it in some games this season. You know, we'll right. see if he can do it when he needs to do it. Right. So let's move on to uh, next question. It is from Rye Guy. That is, uh, let's see at our angle 83 uh, great interacting with rye on uh, on twitter and his question is offense has the first half of the season on lock and defense so far has the second half can both of them pull it together um <laughs> thing is i think he he asked this question before the denzel ward uh news came out so you know right. he didn't know about that so um you know, I, I think we're I think we're kind of looking for that. Like you said, Jeff, we haven't seen this team play its best game, I don't think yet. No. So, um, what do you guys What do you guys think? And I'll let you go first on this one, Jeff. Uh, well, yeah, simple answer. Um, the The defense has has been doing it with smoke and mirrors, and without Garrett and Ward, our two best players on defense. Man, we're going to need a whole lot more smoke. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you think, Clarence? Um, I agree with Jeff what he just said. I uh, honestly, to me, it's really going to start with how Sheldon Richardson and Ogan Joby play because they 
them two haven't really had the season anyone would really like. But um, I honestly think it's going to start with them two and work their way back because those are kind of the guys who, in my opinion, are some of are the third and fourth best defenders on our team behind Miles Garrett and uh, Denzel Ward. So it's going to start with them two. Hopefully we get to see Olivier play the way he played the last two games. But I'm not sure because he's just been very, very inconsistent. And then Adrian Claiborne, I don't know if it was injury early on in the season that was making him play so slow or what, but hopefully he can kind of ramp up even more and play better. So, yeah. Yeah, if those two guys, uh, Vernon and Claiborne, can play anything like they played last week, uh, it's going to help tremendously, and it'll, it'll take a lot of pressure off the off the secondary. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll see more of that. That would that would definitely help help uh, things out a lot. It would help the team out a lot, not just the defense. So let's let's go to uh, Darius Jones. He is at Darius Jones seven. And question is, with the Browns defense stepping up today in the absence of Garrett, do the Browns uh, does the Browns defense have enough to stop offenses like Buffalo, Tennessee, and Baltimore? No, Clarence, go. Ahead. I'm going <laughs> to let you start with this one. Honestly, we might have a chance with the Ravens, but not. But no, not really, because our defense, to me, our defense plays too soft. It's like if they do hit somebody, they hit them, they try to tackle them the wrong way and they might injure themselves. Or To me, honestly, I don't, I'm not sure how well our defense could play if they just, if they don't play hard enough. You know, sometimes it seems like they don't make enough effort plays, which you can see sometimes where there'll be a guy running. Up, he'll be running down the field. He's at the 20, and let's say Sandejo has an opportunity to still catch him. He'll give up at, like, the 15 and just let him score. So, honestly, I think our defense have to make enough effort plays in order to do anything good. So, let's just pick a random Browns defensive player. Um, uh, Sandejo. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Um, Sorry, Clarence. It's Sunday. Jeff's a Sandejo uh, defender, so um, so we're just kind of we're just kind of having fun with that. But understand what you're <laughs> talking about. So, um, so uh, Jeff, what, what's your thoughts on that uh, on the question? Well, I, I, there's a couple things I take exception with, and nothing personal, Clarence. But I think um, professional football players, um, it, it's it's hard to question their um, their willingness to go a hundred percent. This is their their job. That's what they do for a living. Um, I think the effort is always there. Um, we may not always be happy with the results, um, but boy, if the effort wasn't there, I think if a coach saw a guy not putting out effort, I don't think that guy'd be on the field for very long. Not not in a professional football game. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're we're pretty disappointed with with Anderson Dejo's performance at times, um, and I'm I'm never going to 
make excuses for him blowing up a play or, you know, uh, getting a 15 yard, uh, stupid, uh, personal yeah. foul. Yeah, yeah. Which was, which was totally stupid. Okay. Um, but everybody on this team is a Cleveland Brown and we should never attack them personally, um, as professionals. Um, so that, that's what kind of riles me up about going, you know, the way a lot of people go after 23 in particular. Um, but, um, I think the other thing is defensively, while you may get a couple of guys who bounce back somewhat from injuries at this point, you know, after the bye week or whatever, players don't tend to have fewer injuries as the season goes along. They tend to have more. And I think we're seeing them pile up at this point, Um, you know, particularly defensively where, you know, guys have nagging injuries. We're seeing it with Jarvis. Um, I think, you know, even the guys that are in there playing at this point in the season are starting to get banged up. So, um, you know, it's, it's really hard for a defense that, that is pretty thin to begin with from a personnel standpoint, um, you know, particularly at the linebacker and safety position. Um, it's pretty tough for them to get better at this point in the season. And, and we've watched them give up a lot of yards, you know, in pretty much every game um, by playing that soft zone. And, and I don't think that's changing anytime soon. I, th- I think we're going to be continuing to give up a lot of yards um, and we're probably going to be giving up more points um, as the season goes along. And, and as we face these better teams, um, no, I don't think we're going to have an answer for them. I think, um, you know, you can talk about uh, Lamar Jackson and, and how maybe the league has caught up to him um, from a scheme standpoint. Um, but as far as the, the elite teams in this league, um, whose offenses are really clicking now, I, I just don't see us being able to keep pace defensively. I think we're going to give up a lot of points and, and we just need to figure it out offensively to be able to counter that. Yeah. Uh, Darius, I would say this, um, you know, when we're talking about the, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get on you too much for the way you have it worded, but, but if you're asking the Browns to, to stop them, it, it's not going to happen. Um, the best, the best we can hope for is that the Browns defense could slow down teams like this. And then we're talking about going back to, you know, what we were looking at early in the season where, um, you know, and even in, uh, even in the current games where the Browns are giving up yardage, letting teams drive and, and making the key stops or getting the key turnover. Um, That's, that's the way they're going to have to play against these good teams. If they're going to compete in these games. You know, the, the defense has to find a way to get off the field, at least on occasion. <laughs> you know, otherwise, it's not going to be a game. Um, you know, that that's pretty much all there is to it. And, you know, Tennessee, uh, Baltimore, Buffalo, they, they can all put points up quickly. But, you know, you know, everybody can turn the ball over. Everybody can, you know, everybody can be stopped if you 
Um, you know, if you if you figure out what they're getting, what they're doing, and you know, and plan for it appropriately, you know, at least on on any given play, you know, maybe not maybe not throughout the game, but the Browns, you know, the Browns played. You know, I'm going all the way back to last season, but the Browns played Baltimore really tough on defense last season. You know, it it, it can be done. So, um, you know, you hope they're relatively healthy when they play these teams, Um, at least, you know, the guys who are available and we'll see what happens. But um, but yeah, the exactly like Jeff said, the offense has to step up in these games or it's not going to be a game. Pretty much all there is to it. So guys, last uh, last question of the night, and um, it's a it's kind of an involved question. So uh, this is from Clay Matthews Hall of Fame. Uh, Clay Matthews earlier was announced as one of the 25 semifinalists for the uh, 2021 Hall of Fame. Uh, this is Clay Matthews Jr., formerly of the Cleveland Browns. And the question is this. So by the time your show, uh, by the time you do your show, the semifinalists for the Hall of Fame will be announced. So which of the semifinalists do you think will make it? Also, can you talk a little bit about Clay Matthews Jr.? I'm hopeful he's a semifinalist, but you never know. So, Clarence, do you know anything about Clay Matthews Jr.? He's before your time. (laughs) Um, the only thing I really know about him was that he was one of the best defenders. And if not, to me personally, I I don't know much about him. But a lot of the times I hear people talk about him like he could have very well been the best defenders in Browns history. Um, I know, though, about the previous two years that he's been um selected as a semifinalist, I believe, to get into the uh, Hall of Fame. Hopefully, so third time be the charm for him because from what I hear and what I see, a lot of the times he's very deserving of it. He just never really gets the final nod. That is true. So, Jeff, before I let you talk, guys, I think there is there is so much in this question, and there is so much to talk about with the Football Hall of Fame. Uh, there's the process of how the Hall of Fame uh, goes through things and puts guys in the hall. Okay, first of all, uh, they only put in five guys every year. Uh, they put in a few extra guys <clears throat> last year, or 2020. Um, guys, I haven't actually. I, I don't think that induction's actually gone through yet because of COVID. But um, they let a few extra guys go through last year. But they they only let five guys go through a year. Um, so it's really tough for guys to get in. Okay, that that's one question or, or one issue. The other is what defines a Hall of Famer? Okay, is it is it career stats? Is it you know, is it championships? Um, you know, a lot of guys get into Hall of Fame because they played on a lot of championship teams. Uh, does that make a Hall of Famer? Is it individual stats? Um, a lot of guys, a, a lot of things I read about Hall of Fame 
guys are citing how often guys made pro bowls or all pro teams. Okay. Those are things that are voted on. So it almost feels to me like, like pro bowls and, and, and all pro teams, like the voters are at the hall are going to look at what other people said in the past and go by that and not do the research on how a guy's career was. Okay. Just because a guy made pro bowls or didn't make pro bowls, does that mean he should have? And we know that pro bowls, uh, just like all-star games in, in baseball can be political. Okay. A lot of times when you make something, you keep making it. Okay. And I'm not taking anything away from guys who make pro bowls. Um, but you know, Great players sometimes don't make Pro Bowls. It just happens. So I think the process and the criteria um, and, and what actually makes a, what makes a Hall of Famer, you know, how long does a guy have to play to be a Hall of Famer? There, there are guys up for, for the Hall of Fame that played, you know, six, seven years. Is, is that a long enough career to be in the Hall of Fame? So... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some of uh, Clay Matthews stats, and this is from a, a tweet by uh, Jennifer Matthews. So um, Clay Matthews, 278 games played, um, uh, number one for linebackers in NFL history, 1,561 tackles, number three in NFL history, uh, 248 starts at linebacker, n- number one in NFL history, 83 and a half sacks. Um, 27 forced fumbles, 14 fumble recoveries, 16 interceptions. Now, the, and I'm sorry if I'm on a soapbox, guys, but I've, <laughs> I, I've talked and written about Clay Matthews. Uh, I believe he's a Hall of Famer. Um, this is a tough Hall of Fame class, guys. Um, Peyton Manning's in this Hall of Fame class. Uh, Calvin Johnson's in this Hall of Fame class. They're they're getting in, um, and, and uh, you know, and and then there's other guys who are probably getting in. Jared Allen's probably getting in, and the, um, Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson are, are first timers on this list. And then uh, you know, Jared Allen, I'm not sure if he's first timer or not. He might be. You know, he's he's probably got a real good chance of getting in. And then you've got a lot of other guys who who have a good chance of getting in. Um, so it's, I'm just being honest here. It's probably going to be another year where it's tough for clay to make it all the way. And it happens because there's, they only let five guys in. So Jeff, I'm going to let you talk now. (laughs) What's left. Um, I, I appreciate the question. I, I think it's probably, I think I know the guy that asked the question, um, and, you know, he might have a little bit of uh, ulterior motive here. Um, it's, you're right, Hall of Fame is, is, is tricky in any sport. Um, a lot does go into eligibility and, and, and you know, who, who gets elected is more political than, than, you know, are they really, uh, do they have the, the, career uh, stats to back it up. Look, I, I think Clay's a Hall of Famer, too. Um, 
just from a longevity standpoint, um, from a um, pioneering um, way he played the linebacker position. Um, but yeah, it, it, who knows how it's going to happen. And sometimes this process just isn't fair, particularly to guys who maybe don't have the big name and, and brand, you know, um, the Matthews family is, you know, well known in the NFL, three generations, but clay, I just think never really gained that national notoriety that hall of famers that, that get in, um, enjoy. So yeah, I, I, this doesn't look like a particularly deep class to me. Um, from a timing standpoint, which I think is just as important as, um, you know, who is on the list. It's how long have they been on the list? And the voters don't tend to put guys in who are first timers. Um, Jared Allen is a first timer. Calvin Johnson, uh, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Is a first timer. I think Um, Calvin Johnson and Peyton Manning are going in. Very I think Peyton Manning's a no-brainer. Yeah, Calvin Johnson, yeah. maybe. I think um, probably. Beyond yeah. that, I don't think there's any other no-brainers on this list, though. So well, I, I think the, the problem for Clay is that that um, Zach Thomas, Sam Mills, Cornelius Bennett are all on this list, and right. and people grade those guys higher because they were named because they played later than Clay. And and they've got some they've got more all pros and stuff than Clay. Okay, yeah. the problem with Clay is he he played in an era when guys like Ted Ted Hendricks and that were were all pros every single year. He had no chance of, of breaking that that class right. breaking into that. Right. So right. people don't look at that though. They look at Clay and they say, oh, he only made you know whatever three or four Pro Bowls, so he must not have been that good. <laughs> They they don't yeah. look at the competition or the fact that that in his best season he didn't even make the Pro Bowl when he should have. Right. So to me it's it's laziness on the 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 uh, the voters. Um, you know, it, as far as not looking at the entire body of work and what he did. Um, you know, it, it's nothing against Zach Thomas. Sam Mills or Cornelius Bennett. I just I don't think those guys are more deserving of Clay than Clay. I think they're mm-hmm. looked at as being more deserving though. And I think guys like I think Peyton Mann and Calvin Johnson, Jared Allen, and you know, um, you know, and then maybe uh, Alan Fanica possibly this year. Tory Holt. You know, I you know I could see that I could see this this draft class being filled up real quick, mm-hmm. or this this Hall of Fame class, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just really, really tough when you only let five guys in. You know, how do you clear right. this backlog without without letting some guys in who are who are deserving? I mean, mm-hmm. guys, you know, we, we shouldn't have to wait for guys to die before they're allowed to go in the freaking Hall of Fame. It's happened too often in other sports already. Right. It just it, it just it really bothers me. And the and another thing about Clay is. You know he he played he played middle linebacker um, in a, you know in a in a four three he played inside and outside linebacker in a three four he he really didn't line up to rush the quarterback until 
pretty far into his career. So that sack total of, of 83 and a half sacks, guys, if he would, if Clay were to be drafted now, he would be, he would be a guy who would line up and rush the quarterback, and he would he would have eclipsed 100 sacks, and 100 sacks gets you in the hall pretty much now. But that's just not the the position he played. He played wherever it helped the team the most, and he could he could do pretty much anything. You know, he could he could cover guys or he could rush the the quarterback. So he did whatever helped the team, and and that you know that. Uh, flexibility that should be seen as a plus is instead hurting him and, and you know and his ability to get into the hall mm. so so that's kind of a shame but you know you hope that the voters will get it right eventually or that the hall will do something about um you know correcting this and maybe let, letting some extra guys in another another year or something so right because, well and again i don't think it's that, that any of those guys aren't deserving um oh no, no i agree you know there's there's a lot of guys that are deserving um and you make a valid point that you you can only put so many in, in at one time so um Guys are going to have to wait, and I think yeah, I didn't even know. talk about uh, Pat, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis is uh, one of the guys that's near the top of this list, and I think he played, you know, six or seven seasons. Well, he he was all pro five years. Well, you know, you know, great, but um, Clay played for twenty seasons. Right. You you can't compare the two. Which which is a Hall of Famer? A guy who plays six or seven great seasons. And and he makes all pro, um, you know, he he makes all pro great. Um, what if he's playing in the era up against Dick Butkus? Does he make an all pro? Maybe not. Well, the you know? the, the position has changed, um, much like the running back position has changed. Um, so no, you're right. It's it's hard to compare eras. Um, so anybody who's looking at just stats alone, um, it's not ever going to be apples to oranges if you're you know comparing different time periods so yeah. I, like i said clay clay matthews has the body of work um I, I think he's deserving of a hall of fame nod um it's it's unfortunate the way the system works um i mean but we all know he deserves it he knows and and everybody who follows, followed him over his career knows he deserves it yeah. Um, it's just really the formality of of putting him in Canton. Um, and I agree. I hope it happens, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe the timing will be right for him at some point, you know, in the, in the next few years where he'll just, you know, come up against a class that, you know, he just sort of they say, look, he you know, he's he's been there and he's standing, you know, he stood in line and waited his turn and. Let's let's make it happen for him. So we'll see. We sure hope so. <laughs> uh, thanks for the question at Clay Hall of Fame at Clay H O F. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, that does it for the mailbag. Um, that I, you know, that was a uh, a bit of a long answer, but uh, always fun talking about Clay. So um, right. So I. Uh, Clarence, thanks for sitting through that. Um, Jeff and I actually saw Clay play, so uh, so we have a little bit of an advantage there. 
uh, we're going to uh, we're going to close this out. So, uh, Clarence, we'd like to give give you a chance to uh, close with any any parting words, anything you want to to uh, leave the fans with. Um, thank you for having me, and go Browns. Absolutely, Jeff. Nice. Anything you'd like nice. to close with? Yeah, um, it's going to be fun watching Joe Schobert play the uh, linebacker position this week. Um, I hope he doesn't end up with an interception. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Or I hope <laughs> not. Yeah, let's we'll right. that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this has been fun. Uh, We're going to close things out. Uh, This has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you all next time.